and welcome to Life After Blindness. This is the podcast where we are dedicated to the exploration of an enabled life of blindness. I'm your host, Tim Schwartz, and I want to thank you so very much for joining me once again this week on the podcast. As always, you can find the show notes to this episode by going to lifeafterblindness.com slash 15. That's lifeafterblindness.com slash 15. Now, while you're there, you can find links to find me on Facebook and Twitter, and you can also find my email address, which is tim at lifeafterblindness.com. And lots of people have been sending me emails the last several weeks uh, from Martin to Leo, Danielle, Beth, Reem, and so many others that have been sending me uh, very kind emails, uh, very wonderful emails. And I really appreciate that uh, to, to those and so many others that have been emailing me recently about the podcast. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, this week, we've got so much going on. Uh, I'm very happy to be joined this week by Maria Johnson from girlgoneblind.com. And then also later in the podcast, Beth, who I just mentioned, submitted her because of my blindness story. So make sure to stick around for that. And then also I will be reviewing an app for you this week called Intervals that is available for you on your iPhone as well as your Apple Watch. So make sure to stick around for that as well. But first, like I said, we've got so much to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. Joining me this week to talk about some of the recent news out of the blind and visually impaired community is a spouse, a mom, a radio contributor, blogger, podcaster, and as you'll hear later on in this week's episode, a group fitness instructor from girlgoneblind.com. Maria Johnson. Maria, thank you so much for joining me on Life After Blindness. Hi, Tim. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, I've been wanting to have you on for such a long time, and I'm glad that we finally were able to connect to uh, get you to come on and help me out with the news. And like I said later on, we're going to talk a little bit about what you do as a group fitness instructor. Uh, before we get into that, I know that you and I have both talked about this. As we record this, this is just coming off the heels of the hurricane, Hurricane Harvey, that hit the southeastern part of Texas so hard this uh, last week. And so I just want to take a moment before we begin with the news to say that our, our thoughts and prayers are going out to those that are affected uh, by this this horrible disaster. And uh, I hope that everybody is able to be safe and uh, taken care of. And uh, again, our thoughts and prayers are with them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree. And uh, we've seen the news coverage and, you know, it, they're just it's just devastated over there. So, um, yeah, prayers for a quick recovery for for all of the families and, you know, the homes and the towns that have been affected. Absolutely. The first thing I'd like to talk about on the news this week is something that I've actually wanted to cover for quite a while now on Life After Blindness, and that's the 2017 World Series of Beat Baseball that was held this past month in Florida. This year, the defending champs, the Indy Thunder from Indianapolis, Indiana, defended against the Taiwan home run, and they successfully defended their World Series championship by defeating the Taiwan home run in a game that went 15 to 10. So I want to say congratulations to the Indy Thunder for yet another World Series championship victory. As people might may or may not know, uh, beat baseball is an accessible version of baseball. Basically, everybody wears a blindfold. Uh, you don't have bases per se. You do have a uh, single pitcher that tries to pitch in about the same way or to that person's swing. And uh, as you swing, 
Uh, once you hit the ball, you have to basically race from uh, f to either the first or third base line. Uh, they'll hit a beeper that will tell you which way to go. You'll have to go and tackle this big, tall pylon, basically, that's buzzing. And you just basically want to get there before they get the ball in their hands out there in the field. And so that's how you score. If they get the ball first, you're out. If you get to the pylon first, you score to run. Uh, pretty simple, it sounds, but not always. Uh, I played many, many years ago, and it's a lot of fun. I uh, never played at any kind of level as they do there at the World Series of Beat Baseball. But uh, but I did want to make sure to mention that right off the bat uh, to congratulate them. Now, Maria, I know you've not personally played Beat Baseball at all, but uh, we've talked about this. You're familiar with it and know some people that have done it. So what are your thoughts about Beat Baseball and, and the World Series of it? Well, I would love to try it. I just don't think uh, I've heard of any organizations or groups out here on the West Coast that have put together any kind of beatball team or league or anything like that. But there are a handful of uh, gentlemen who uh, I know that play beatball. And actually two of them, well, there was more, I think, but two of them that I know fairly well that were actually on the Canadian team that traveled down to Florida to play in the World Series. And, you know, they didn't come home the big winners, but, you know, from all of their Facebook posts and things, they had an absolute blast. So, um, again, if I ever got the opportunity, I absolutely would try it. It is definitely a lot of fun. The, the few times that I have gotten to play, like I said, I really enjoyed it, even just at a fun level, not a you know comp competitive type level. It's just fun to get out there and feel like you're participating in something, you know, like that. And just the camaraderie with the other players and just making friendships. And even if you don't get to go to that level, it's just still a fun thing to do. Uh, so I encourage anybody, if you're interested, uh, you can, you can check out, uh, beat baseball online. There's some links that I'll put in the show notes this week. Uh, so you can go and take a look at the, uh, at, you know, at the different places that offer, you know, beat baseball nationally. So from Beep Baseball, let's move into tech. Uh, as we always like to talk about here, tech's always a very popular topic on Life After Blindness. And another story that I wanted to talk about, gosh, probably several weeks ago now, but just hasn't had and haven't had an opportunity to bring it up, is an announcement from GE where I believe this was the son of one of the employees at GE, a 16-year-old son, came up with a device, a, a small box, well, I don't know actually how small it is, but a box that you can attach to any washer and dryer that will make it accessible. That will actually be very easy to use and, uh, and make it accessible for the blind and visually impaired. Maria, I know you've got to love this. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. Um, I would absolutely love to get my hands on one of those boxes. And if I recall, they are less than $100. I think it was $99, something That's like correct. that, which is, yeah, which is, you know, doable. Now, my washer and dryer are very old. And you know, I literally I'm spinning the dial trying to figure out if I've even hit the right mark. I don't know. I've probably washed clothes, you know, 15 times at one point or barely washed them at all. I don't even know. A thumbs up. I want one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in total agreement there. Anything that can make it easier so I don't have to keep going through bump dots or just trying to, you know, like you said, just hope that I've got the right settings, uh, you know, set up correctly or that I'm washing things appropriately. Just have something yep. easier, whether it talks, whether it's voice activated, whether it's uh, just simplified buttons. And I believe in this case, there are some buttons that are simplified, you know, some of the, the settings that are simplified. And for $100, just to add to any washer and dryer that easily. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on something like that. I think it's a fair price. Uh, and if it truly makes it, makes it accessible, 
definitely. I'm, I'm all in on something like that. Dear Santa, right? Dear Santa. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's going on the list. It's going on the list. I can handle a few buttons. That's for sure. From one new appliance technology to another, recently there's been a story about Samsung and their efforts to interview and research the possibility of voice-activated appliances. As regular listeners know, a few episodes ago, we talked about how Samsung, as well as Philips, have integrated voice into their new televisions. Well, now Samsung is looking to voice-activate the rest of the appliances in your house. They've done some research recently and and, uh, asked blind and visually impaired people what would be good for them and uh, what would work best for them. And seems like they're maybe looking into this as being something to happen in the future. Now, as longer time listeners know, we've talked about this possibility with Amazon. Well, your Amazon friend, I won't say the name, um, but with that Amazon friend of yours and having them move into an appliance space where things could be more voice activated, seeming seemingly now Samsung's looking into the same thing. So on that same note, uh, Maria, where we're going from, you know, more accessible washer and dryers to companies like Amazon and Samsung looking to make things voice activated, that might be a big deal for us going forward as blind and visually impaired people. Oh, huge deal. Huge, huge, huge. And, you know, if my oven stove was voice activated, you know, it would be such a breeze. Um, You know, these days, you know, the, and I just went shopping for uh, appliances and we specifically were looking for you know the flat it's kind of like a flat screen but you know I wanted something that made a beep noise or made a kind of an indent but you know that I could at least put a bump dot on and know if I've pressed it and it's on you know that kind of thing um, many things out there right now are the fancy and like an iPhone uh, iPhone screen which you know do us no good at all no good at all. So on a, on an appliance, as far as that goes, because we can't tell what we're touching. So I think adding uh, voice activation could take it up a whole nother notch of accessibility for us. And, you know, whether you did your microwave, the oven stove, maybe you're trying to set your refrigerator to be colder, warmer, whatnot. Oh, dishwasher, you know? Yeah. You know, <laughs> tell it what to do, go to bed, wash your dishes. So um, I'm all over it. I'm all over it. Absolutely. I just hope they don't add an astronomical price tag to it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. If they can do this and still keep costs down, or at least initially, you know, it's going to be more expensive, just like whenever yeah. we have new smartphones come out or any kind of new technology implemented into an older technology, it, there is a little bit of that price bump uh, to get over at first. But if they can eventually get it down to where it's just part of the product. It's just a built-in feature, uh, you know, that we just have all the time and that we just become accustomed to that. I think as nice as they may feel it's going to be for just mainstream, it's going to be even that much more amazing for those of us who would need something that's voice activated that we don't have to worry about as many bump dots. And we still may need one to turn it on or to activate a screen or something. But otherwise, if if there's just voice activation that we have to, to deal with, Yeah, again, I agree with you. I think that they would implement this into anything, your dishwasher, your refrigerator, microwave, you name it. I'm all about it as long as the cost doesn't make it, uh, you know, make it too difficult to get into. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I want it to cost less than my house. So, you know, (laughs) I want it to add value to my house, not be more than my house, you know. But just like the um, Amazon friend, you know, the sighted community 
um, enjoys it just as much. So I have no doubt that um, there's going to be folks who would love just to be able to tell their stove and oven what to do. So I think there's a there'd be a market for it for sure. Absolutely. Well, that does it for the news this week. As always, you can get more information and links to everything we talk about in this episode by going to the show notes found at lifeafterblindness.com slash 15. That's lifeafterblindness.com slash 15. And if you want to get more information about all the things that have been announced uh, this summer related to the blind and visually impaired community, you can go back to episode number 13, so two episodes ago, and hear all about the announcements for gadgets and services and things that were announced at the ACB and NFB conferences this summer. Uh, we did a full episode talking about those things. So if you want even more news, you can go and check out that episode as well. Now, as I mentioned, Maria is a group fitness instructor. And so later on in the podcast, she's going to be joining me again to talk more specifically about what that is, what she does, and how her blindness has impacted her work as a group fitness instructor. But until then, Maria, thank you so much for helping me out with the news. And uh, we'll talk with you again here in just a moment. Okay, ready when you are. For those of you out there looking to get fit using interval training, that is a back and forth of using high intensity and then low intensity workouts in order to do your training, I have an app for you that will help you best accomplish this that is available for your iPhone as well as your Apple Watch. So I'm going to do a short demonstration of how this app can be used and simply the app is called Intervals. So let's go ahead and double tap and take a look and see how easy this app is to set up and use. Intervals, new button, new so we, timer. So when you come into the app at first, there is a button that says new timer. Now, unfortunately, this is mislabeled because this is actually a share button, not a uh, new timer button. The new timer button is new button, new timer, one to the right of that. So just by double tapping on each, you'll see that there is that difference. And so that is something that I'm hoping they will label soon, but you can relabel that yourself. But just remember that the second new timer button is the one that you want to go to. So let's go ahead and double tap on that. New alert boxing bell button color button. Now it's dropped me kind of in the middle of the screen, I think. So let's go ahead and do a four finger single tap at the top of the screen. Cancel button. That puts me at the cancel button. We'll swipe to the right. Save button. Gazelle text field. Now the last Tiny name, double the last to edit. interval training workout that I added in here, I called gazelle because we have one of those gazelle workout machines. And so I was doing a back and forth gazelle high intensity interval workout. And so that was the last thing that I named it. So we'll just go ahead and keep that in the name. But this is where you would change the name if you wanted to. We'll swipe to the right. High intensity interval heading. Now this is where you're going to set your higher intensity intervals. So something you're going to do at a much quicker pace. Work. Text field. Timer name. Double tap to edit. Now this is where you can name this specific high intensity workout. So separate from the overall name, which is Gazelle in, in this particular case, this is to name the actual high intensity portion of the workout. So this is just called work at the moment. Swipe to the right. Duration. Zero. Twenty. Button. 
Now at the moment, this is set to 20 seconds. If I double tapped on this, you could go in just like you could on your clock app or any other app where you can do the spin up and down uh, to choose at different times. You can choose minutes, seconds of duration uh, to reset this. So I won't show you that because you guys know how to go ahead and reset those. But if you double tapped here, you could change this 20 seconds to any duration that you'd like. So we'll go ahead and swipe to the right again. Alert, boxing bell, button. This is where you can actually set an alert sound. So they have a boxing bell, they have a referee's whistle and other sounds that you can set so that when this high interval uh, time limit is over, it will make that sound and let you know, hey, this is this is when we are now doing this particular interval. Swipe to the right. Color button. If you have low vision or some vision, you can actually also set this color uh, scheme to this particular interval so that when it changes, you'll see the color come up on the screen. Low intensity interval heading. Now we're getting into the low intensity. So this is your slower, more uh, relaxed uh, part of the interval training. We'll swipe to the right. Recover text field. Timer the, name. Double this tap one to edit. you can also name as well. So the first one for the high intensity, we called it work. This one has recover. But again, you can double tap in here and change it to name it whatever you'd like it to be. Swipe to the right again. Duration one button. Same exact thing here. You can double tap this and change it. So right now this is set for one minute uh, for your lower intensity. Again, you can do this any way you like. You can have a higher duration time for your high intensity and a lower for your low intensity or vice versa. You can set it to be whatever you'd like it to be. Swipe to the right again. Alert. Referee whistle. Button. Color. Button. And the color for the low intensity. Start with this interval. And then you can change this to where you can make sure which interval to start with. Start with this interval. Switch button on. And so this Double is. Double tap to toggle setting. And so this is set up to start with the low intensity interval. Interval sets. Heading. Now this is where you can actually set how many times you do these intervals. So how many sets of these that you'll do. Number of interval sets. Zero nine button. So right now it's set to nine sets. So we would do the 20 seconds of high intensity, the one minute of low intensity, nine times back and forth. But you can double tap that and change that to anything you'd like as well. Specify the number of sets of high slash low intensity intervals. As I just described, we'll swipe to the right again. Repeat the interval timer, heading. Number of cycles, zero one, button. Now this is where you can have it repeat the entire thing. So the entire timer you can set for this entire thing, the, the warm up, the cool down, and all the intervals in between to be done once or more than once if you'd like to do that as well. Cycle recovery, zero, button. Specify the number of times to repeat the interval timer and the recovery time between timers. So this of course is setting, like I said before, how many times you want to do the entire cycle. And if you want there to be some sort of recovery time in between each cycle, you can set that as well. Optional warm up and cool down heading. Now this is where if you want to have a warm up and a cool down, you can, but you don't have to. But if you want to set a warm up timer to get into the interval training and then a cool down at the end, you can set that here. Warm up zero button. Cool down one button. So you can see at the moment, I have no warm up, but I do have a one minute cooldown. Warm up before the first interval and cool down after the last interval. Countdown alert heading. Now this is where you can set a countdown alert so that will actually let you know when it's coming up to change to the next interval. And what's interesting about this time remaining zero five button is you can set the timer to say five seconds in this case till the next interval change, but then 
Alert, text-to-speech button. The alert is text-to-speech, so it actually will verbally count you down until the next interval, which I really like that it will actually count down with a text-to-speech voice from 5 to 1 to let you know it's almost time for the next interval. So that's a really nice addition here, especially for those of us that are blind or visually impaired. Alert me close to the end of the interval. Apple Health Heading. Apple Health Workout Settings Button. Of course, this is where you can go ahead and incorporate this into your Apple Health settings. Save workouts to Apple Health. Set activity type, location, and track distance. Apple Watch. Heading. And then, of course, your settings for Apple Watch. Apple Watch Settings. Button. Monitor heart rate, calories, and distance during your workout using the Apple Watch. The only other important tab in this particular app would be the settings tab. You're going to find that at the bottom right side of the app. Now, I'm not going to take you through there because there are a lot of different settings, but it is self-explanatory. You'll be able to see where you can change the sounds, change the alerts. You can also have it uh, do different things with Apple Watch as well as Apple Health. So those settings are all there as well. If you have any vision at all, there is a confetti celebration that you can set uh, to be at the end of your interval training. So when you've completed it, it will uh, spray confetti all over your screen. So things like that are available. Uh, they also offer auto ducking. So if you're listening to music in the background, you can turn that on or off to duck the audio so you can hear the alerts as it is counting down to the next uh, interval chimer. So all those kind of things are available in the settings. So I just would encourage you to take a look at the settings, see what's all in there. A lot of nice features that they offer in there as well, um, like I said. And you also can purchase a full version of the app. I believe it's either 99 cents or $1.99. I'm not quite sure. It's been a while since I purchased it, but it does give you unlimited uh, intervals as well as some additional sounds and things like that. So I do encourage you to purchase that. So otherwise, this has been the Intervals app, like I said, available for iPhone as well as your Apple Watch. It's been very useful for me as far as doing either uh, workouts on a gazelle type machine or elliptical or going walking or running or using any other kind of machine like a bike, things like that. Uh, or if you're just doing different types of aerobic exercise, doing higher intensity for a certain period of time and then lower intensity, this app is going to really be a big help in keeping you to those timers that you want to set for yourself and encouraging you to continue on with your workout. This has been the Intervals app. I thank you very much for listening. As promised, I'm rejoined by Maria Johnson from GirlGoneBlind.com. Maria, thanks for rejoining me here on the podcast. Absolutely. Love being here. All right. So, Maria, we're going to talk today about something that I know you are uh, quite devoted to that uh, you're heavily involved in is health and fitness. Now, let's go back, though, a step on that because I know that you weren't always involved in health and fitness, correct? Correct. I started getting into health and fitness when I needed to improve my own health and fitness. Um, after I had my daughter, um, I, you know, I really needed to kind of buckle down and pay attention to my health. I spent many, many years in the corporate world, um, ended up staying home after I had my daughter and it was kind of time to get myself in shape. So, um, I kind of started, you know, working out, doing things here and there, walking and all that kind of deal. But I, I used to always love going to the gym. And uh, so I started uh, a membership, a new membership at, at a gym. And I went to a couple classes and they were horrible. Uh, I actually decided to quit 
it was only going for about a month because it was no one encouraged me. There was no motivation. No one, you know, no one paid attention to me. No one knew my name. And I was just like, you know, the heavy girl in the back. So I ended up quitting and I ended up just kind of doing my own thing and, you know, trying to lose some weight, getting back into shape. And fast forward, I ended up joining the gym again, but this time I was in much better shape and I felt I could handle it. So I did. And there was a moment where uh, a few of us were approached by one of the owners that said, Hey, you know, we're going to do this group fitness instructor training. You know, would you guys be interested? Cause of course I, I was one of those front row divas, you know, who had to be in the front, you know, doing everything. And I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved it. So we thought, well, what the heck, you know, I mean, I, I just can try it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So I thought, okay, fine. So that's what I did. And I became a certified group fitness instructor, but I didn't have any classes yet. Well, it wasn't long before I got a class offer to me, which was in the exact same time slot. That was a class that I was my deciding class to quit the gym. I was now teaching that time slot. As oh, really? Instructor. Yeah. Nice. And I tell people that story all the time, you know, because uh, I try and be extra encouraging, um, all inclusive, because I have all ages, shapes and sizes. And, you know, I know what it's like to be, you know, the heavy girl in the back who is struggling, who doesn't feel good about herself. And I don't want anyone to feel that way at all. Um, so I'm, I, I do a whole, you know, lecture that it covers, you know, everybody in my class, always, I'm always, always talking to every single person and no matter what their fitness level is, because I don't want anyone to leave my class thinking that was the worst. And the instructor's awful. I want them to come back because that's, I never, I didn't go back and, and that's when I left. But Anyway, so I ended up um, teaching more classes at this gym. I ended up uh, branching out to other locations. I was then to the point where I was teaching uh, five days a week. And I also had started a boot camp with a friend of mine. And we started a, a boot camp that we did early mornings. So I had boot camp. I had classes going. I had several certifications. Um could teach different formats and all that. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Had big plans. We were going to, my friend and I were going to maybe open our own studio and we were going to do all these things. And, you know, we were really trying to make this boot camp work. And, um, and then I started to notice my vision was not what it was. And, you know, although I didn't, you know, I was still teaching and all, but I was doing a lot of doctor's appointments and kind of thinking, Dang, something's not right. And I'd come to class with one eye dilated, one eye not. You know, I looked, <laughs> I looked really <laughs> freaky, quite honestly, some of the times. Sure. But sometimes, I mean, I would come right from the, you know, the optometrist. Like I had a doctor's, you know, I had the eye appointment, guys, and people go, "What's going on?" I go, "I don't know, I don't know." But let's just let's just let's just do this, you know. Let's let me just go into my fitness world and just forget about my vision. Let's just teach class. When I was at the gym, I just, you know, I just forgot about it because that's what I love to do. So I, I didn't let the vision loss get in my way. Well, I was going to ask you that, that uh, I'm sure the vision loss made it different. It was a different experience, but it sounds like you said, you know what? doesn't matter. I, I've lost some vision, but I can still do this. I can still find a way to do this. Uh, was there any thing that you had to do differently to teach the class? Was there anything that maybe your uh, students had to, to do differently or, or, or respond to you in a different way? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, um, when I finally got a diagnosis, I cut all my classes short a little bit and I had some conversations with my uh, students and I said, okay, I've got to tell you guys something. And I had to tell them that I was losing vision and that it was, you know, not treatable. There was no cure. And, but I'm still going to teach classes, but I, what I this was the greatest part. I told them, I said, I don't know how much longer I can because I don't have a way to get here because I'm not going to be able to drive. I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to drive much longer. And I was really, I was just sick inside about that. I mean, I thought, I you know, I just thought I, I wasn't cause I didn't know about Uber or Lyft or anything at that point. And I wasn't going to pay a taxi to go and teach and come back. I mean, I would, you know, I would be eating up the money I was making, you know, which wasn't a whole lot by, getting a taxi ride. So I thought, you know, there's no way I'm going to have to just quit everything. And, and that's going to be it. And so that day at this particular gym location, before I left class that day, and I taught four classes at this gym, uh, different days of the week, I had a student volunteer for every class to pick me up and take me home oh, wow. for each class. Oh, I was, it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. I mean, they just, I didn't ask anybody. They just said, okay, I'll do Wednesday. Okay. I'll do, I'll do Mondays and you'll do. And these people still, that we're talking, you know, four, almost four years later, they still are the ones that pick me up and take me home. I That's did great. have to, it, it was amazing. I mean, it was one of those moments where you're like, gosh, why are these people being so nice to me? Sure. It's because I've been, I've been their instructor for 15 years and they have my back. They absolutely have my back. The owner of this gym has my back. She has never said one thing to me about teaching with vision loss. Not one. Um, in fact, my classes have gotten bigger. I don't know what it is, but you know, <laughs> they've gotten bigger. Obviously, I'm doing something right. But um, so the changes were, you know, that I did have to step away from other locations. I just couldn't manage the transportation. So I'm, I've stuck to just one location, kind of the gym I started at that I already described. And I have continued to teach. And the reason being is that one, I know it's good for me because we know exercise is good for your mental health and your physical health. Absolutely. But I also know that that's, that's a big part of my life. And, you know, vision loss or, you know, LHOM, already has taken away so much from me that I wasn't going to let it take my group fitness away. There was just no way I was going to let that happen. So by me asking, uh, by telling my members, you know, I can't get a ride. Boom. I have rides. Um, I also, um, sometimes the working, the equipment for the music, every class I have what I call my DJ. And there's a person that is closest to the music, the um, equipment, and they work my music for me. I have people that will um, be by the door so that if there's any latecomers, they actually tell them they have to leave oh, wow. <laughs> for me. Because, well, you know, it, in group fitness, you know, maybe you're five minutes late, that's fine. But I have people that try and come into a class 20, 25 minutes into the class. And there's just, you can't, you can't do not, that. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. Liability. And you know, sure. it's not safe and it's disruptive, right? Well, I have a, I have some people that 
will do my dirty work for me. And they go, I'm sorry, you can't stay. You can't stay. <laughs> Your own personal <laughs> bouncers at the door, right? I know. Yes, they're my bouncers. Yes. And, um, and then, of course, they all know, you know, the ones who know I'm blind. Now, let me tell you, not everyone knows I am because I get new people all the time. And I don't announce that I'm blind. I don't talk about it. I rarely talk about it. I may make a joke but I rarely talk about my vision in class because I'm there to be an instructor, nothing else. So if somebody was to keel over in the back row, (laughs) I'm pretty sure somebody would tell me. Hopefully, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I've never had that happen even, you know, sighted days. So, um, but what has changed is that I know I have become more descriptive in my cueing of a class. Because I know I, I can I can see bodies, right? But I can't see unless I'm right up on them if they're doing their bicep curl correctly. Um, so in turn, I describe it, you know, very detailed, so that if somebody is doing it or is confused, they will now know how to do it because I am describing it so much that I can almost, you know, hopefully guarantee that everyone is doing it right because I'm. I'm going into way more detail. So, but I do walk around a lot because I do want to see what people are doing so that I get um, at least a closer visual uh, to people. Again, it's not perfect, but it's enough to know if they're, I can tell if they're way off base, you know, with something. So um, that's, that's definitely how it's changed is actually the way I actually teach a class and the way I think about teaching a class to ensure that my students are doing it safely and properly. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of fake it a little bit because I can't see from maybe like the second row back of people. I can see the people in the front row, just bodies, but I'm always going, yeah, you're getting it back row, killing it back there. And, oh my gosh, you guys look so great. You're doing so great. I can't see them. You know, that girl be sitting down picking their nose, and I would have no idea, you know. But I'm there to motivate and to encourage. So that's what I still try and do. And like I said, probably at at least a third or a fourth of of every class do do not know that I have any vision problems at all. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you've built your own class and your own reputation and those people that follow you, whether they know that you're blind or not, you've devoted quite a bit to your class. And I can see where other people would maybe want you involved. They want those people in the front that are kind of showing the class, hey, here's the people in front that are knowing what they're doing and and give me an example for the class. But that being said, you've got so many different things going on. You've got your own class to take care of. Uh, and you know, that extra little, little tiny hurdle called blindness, um, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that you've got to prepare, you know, your own classes for. So I think it's great. I think it's nice to have that mixture of people. And, and if they don't know that you're blind, well, so what? I think that that's actually a credit to you and what you're doing in the classroom to, to, you know, actually teach them and guide them and them not even have a clue, I, I think is a, yeah. almost a good thing, really. Well, I, you know, it's, it's pretty cool when they do find out, you know, if somebody tells them or, you know, um, she's what? Oh yeah. No, Tim, really. They're like, 
you know what? Somebody said that you're blind. And I'm like, uh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as I look straight at them, you know, because I kind of can tell what their head is. Sure. And I go, yeah, I am. And I said, then I try and explain what my vision's like and the whole thing. And they go, they go, oh, I never would have guessed. And I said, great. That's what I want. I don't want anyone up in my class to ever go, she was terrible. She's obviously blind. Um, I, I don't want anyone getting you know getting to that point i want them to walk away going that was a great class she's a great fitness instructor um she was you know spot on i remember when i was just a student if i didn't like the instructor then i didn't go to the class you know there was nothing going to keep me there and so i try and make the class fun and funny and you know i tell them i go hey you know a lot of you are moms i'm a mom you know i'm just like you i eat cheesecake i have margaritas (laughs) That's why we're here, right? You know, and they all laugh and, you know, have a good time. But they're, you know, I tell them I'm as, I'm just like, I'm as real as you guys. So many people put grip, you know, uh, fitness instructors on these pedestals and we're, you know, way above them and all we eat is lettuce at home and we're like, <laughs> oh, super fit. I go, no, 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 no. I'm trying to lose a few pounds like the rest of you. You know, I'm always trying to be in better health. Um, and you know what? We're all busy. And I thank God, you know, and I thank them for coming, you know, making that time to come and be with me and, um, you know, try and get that, that connection. But, you know, cause that's what it really comes down to in anything, Tim, I, we don't have to see people to be connected to them. So you connect with them through your, you know, verbal relationship, if you will. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah what I try and do with my students. And I mean, I've known some of these people for years inside and outside of the gym. I mean, I see them around the community. I've, I've actually seen them in the grocery store and they go, Oh my God, I didn't recognize you with clothes on. (laughs) Oh, you mean I had regular, like I have regular clothes on. I'm like, Oh, okay. That sounded really awkward. You know, I've gotten together with these people outside of the gym. You know, we get together, we socialize. It's a great, it's a great community. And that's probably one of the reasons I wanted to stick really, I wanted to stick with it is because it is a wonderful support group at the same time. And, and when there were times when, um, you know, I was still trying to get used to the vision because it kind of threw me off with my, um, like I would turn my head, but my, my brain, wasn't keeping up. Like I would almost make myself sick, you know, just from, um, motion. And, um, and so there would be a few times I'd be like, okay guys, um, keep going. But I I just, I don't feel that good for a minute. And, and you know what? They never, you know, they never stopped. They never went like, what is your problem or anything like that? They, they knew that I was, I was pushing through this obstacle that I had been thrown and, you know, they were just, they just were thrilled that I was still there. So, um, you know, they've let me have my moments, um, just like anybody else, you know, we all have our moments, but mine were always due to that, you know, this vision thing. And, um, also, um, they're encouraging to me as well. Um, you know, we spoke for a minute before the podcast about balance and I tell you my balance was gone. And I, I couldn't stand on one leg and hold the other leg. I, I, I've still been working on it. And I've had people, you know, when I do balance really well, I mean, my class starts clapping because they know how hard I've been trying to work on getting my balance back. You know, so I've had to really, re, I don't know, relearn, but repractice um, some of my skills for my classes so that I can continue to teach on the level that I require myself to. That makes perfect sense. I mean, there's going to be things that 
as blind people or as people that lose vision later on in life that aren't born blind, there are a lot of different things that we have to relearn or, or teach ourselves again. And um, that extends not just to things in the home, but like you said, you know, teaching a fitness class or just exercising or moving your body or just doing simple tasks sometimes can throw you off when, when you've gone through vision loss. And so to have a support group like that, where in essence, you're the, the group fitness instructor, but they're almost a support group for you in a way when you were losing your vision and, and helping you get through that and continue doing what you're doing because they enjoyed, you know, what you provided so well, you've created a community. And I think with fitness, that's probably really important because that camaraderie, that, that community, that being able to be there for each other and help each other, I'm sure is very, very important. Absolutely. Um, if somebody doesn't show up for class maybe once or twice or, you know, they miss two weeks, people are wondering where's so-and-so, you know, where's Susie? She hasn't been here. Like anyone heard from her? Or, you know, everyone knows everyone's name and kind of like cheers, you know, <laughs> everyone watches yeah. out for everybody. When I lost the vision, I, I was overwhelmed. And I'm not just saying in the fitness realm, but overall, I was so overwhelmed by the the good in people that they're so willing to help. They're so kind and they're, they're willing to be there for you. And I was, I would, I was blown away daily by the outpouring of help and support that I got, which I know doesn't happen for everybody, but I mean, I would be in tears. I would be so amazed and wonder, I'd sit there with friends going, you're, why are you, you're so nice to me and you're giving me a ride. And, you know, they're, they're in tears. We're like, why wouldn't I? You're my friend. And I go, yeah, but you don't have to. And they go, but you would do it for me. I know, but it's, you know, it's not the same, you know, and I just, I was overwhelmed and, you know, it can be a family and, um, you know, it's a wonderful family over there and it, it's, it is a great, great place. And, um, and, you know, obviously the, the owner and the students have great faith in me, which is, um, which is, you know, really makes me feel good. So now the beginning of our conversation, talking about fitness, you talked about how you know what it's like to be that, you know, large person in the back of the room or not large, but you know what I mean? The overweight person in the back of the room, uh, trying to hide from the instructor and, and you know what that feeling's like, you know who that person is. And so kind of generally, cause I know this probably could apply to anybody sighted or blind, but even more specifically to a blind person, we talked about how hard it is sometimes to get out, but it's important as blind people to get out and to be fit and to take care of ourselves. What would you say as a fitness instructor to that person who, just is either the, you know, the overweight person in the back, or maybe they've even made it to the, the, the class yet. Maybe they haven't even gotten started. What would your advice be as an instructor to that person? If they're sighted. Okay. Um, what I would say is, you know what you need to go because you need to try it out and you need to not just do it once, but you need to do it a handful of times to attend a class that you think sounds fun. And then that's key too. Uh, it has to be something that you think would be fun because if it's not fun, you're not going to do it first of all. And you know what? Everybody was a first timer at one point, didn't understand it, didn't know what to do. None of it, but you have to give it a handful of times, you know, a month, maybe two months and keep going because you'll, you'll start to feel more a part of the group. You start to feel like, you know, what's going on. And as long as you keep moving that honestly, that's all an instructor really cares about is that you keep moving. And the fact that you keep coming back is a big deal. Um, and 
I think for the most, if you're, you know, the, um, you know, out of shape, overweight person in the back, you're the one that's really holding yourself back by all of the thoughts that you have that I can't do this and I'm fat and I'm not, I don't feel good about myself and all that kind of thing. And you're the only one doing that. Now you're at the gym and trust me when I say as an instructor, I am extremely, you know, um, honored and impressed that people will come and stick to my classes no matter what size they are. Um, so my advice, as I said, is give it a try. Keep going back. And before you know it, you're going to have more confidence about the class. You're going to feel like you know what's going on. And you actually might even realize that you feel pretty good after you've competed, completed a class that you're going to want to have more of that. So, you know, so that's my advice for anybody, you know, but if you're blind, you know, granted group fitness is a little, probably a little more difficult to do because you, you really do have to see the instructor. Um, but I do have friends that have gone to say slower pace type classes like yoga and they've just let, they have gone, but they've let the instructor know, you know, I, you know, I have a visual impairment. I can't see you as well. Um, I just need you to describe things more. And actually some instructors can be very accommodating with that. Um, I imagine some aren't as well. Um, but I think it would depend upon the type of class um, that you went to is depending upon how the instructor can accommodate somebody who has a visual impairment. Um, Zumba, for instance, is rarely, uh, rarely cued. It's all visual. So that type of class isn't going to work very well. So um, now going just to a regular gym, what I've suggested to people in the past, because I have been asked, uh, the only suggestion I have really is, is go with a buddy and you're going to have to ask for help and somebody's going to have to help you, you know, moving the pins and the weights and different things like that, because it could be a safety thing. You know, it really, really could. And um, so the, the, the gym environment, you know, is a little bit tricky, especially if you're not a, um, if you're not familiar with that particular facility. But, you know, find something else that you might enjoy. Now, I'm going with the blind community here. Um, tandem bike riding. If you have a, a tandem bike riding club or a cycling club, they very well may have um, uh, room in that club for tandem bike riding. And that's one way to get outside and get some exercise and feel a part of a group. Um, that's one, that's one option, um, that I actually have taken advantage of here in San Diego. We do have a tandem bike riding club for the blind and it's fantastic. Um, so, you know, finding something that you like, and there are, there's a world of adaptive sports for the blind. Um, yes, there is, go ball, go ball, beat ball. I wish they had something like, I don't, think I, well, I haven't ever really checked out, but I don't think there's go ball or beat ball anywhere around me at all. And I would love to at least give it a try, um, to see if it was something that I could do. But, you know, the bottom line is I think people give up too soon and mostly it's because of our own insecurities and our own, you know, lack of confidence. If it's absolutely horrible and, you know, it is just not going to work for you. Um, then yeah, you've got to find something that works for you. And find something fun. 
I think that's ultimately the the important thing is finding something that's going to be comfortable for you, finding something that's going to be fun or something that you're going to feel good doing over and over again, whether it's just going for a walk or going to the gym or participating in something like, like you said, like beeper baseball or goalball or tandem bike riding or anything like that. If it's something that you can have an interest in, have fun with it, maybe even have a community surrounding it where you've got other people supporting you and, and uh, mm-hmm. being there for you. I think that's very important to health, fitness, just your overall mental well-being as well. So I think that's really good advice. You know, what you said, uh, go out for the walk, and that spurred me, is that I do walk with friends as well. I used to love a good power walk on a Sunday morning, just me. But then, you know, the old vision thing happened, and yeah, I couldn't do that. So what I do do is um, tether to one of my friends. Now, it's not like a dog on a leash or anything like that, but it's, we hold a, um, just like a lanyard, you know, I mean, it could be anything. It could be a rope, it could be a shoestring, um, but you, it's maybe 12 inches, again, whatever's comfortable for you, 18 inches, and she holds one end and I hold the other, and we walk like that, so I'm always walking next to her, I'm always walking in a pretty straight line. If there's something coming up, she can pull the tether and I know I need to move to the left. Or if we're going to be coming up to go around a corner, she'll kind of, you know, I can feel the tether pulling. Um, Oh, there's a car coming, you know, she'll kind of pull me in closer to her, you know, so it saves the pushing and pulling, you know, and like just grabbing me, which we all don't like. So it's, again, it's very, it's pretty popular in the running community, um, but I, you know, it works just as well for walking. So that's another thing to get somebody outdoors and it's easy and you can go as fast or as slow as you want. So again, your fitness level can be, you know, at its worst um, or you can be pretty fit and really power it through um, as long as you have a compatible sighted guide. Absolutely. I agree. I've done that myself walking in, uh, you know, five K's, like you said, or just going out for just a pleasurable walk. So I think it's something that anybody, obviously, if you've got mobility at all, if you're able to walk at all, uh, just going out for a walk is just something that's very easily able to be done and, and, uh, being able to have a guide to do that with you. Uh, I think that that's definitely the easiest way to at least just get yourself started. On that note, Maria, I think that a lot of this advice has been fantastic. Uh, Hopefully that people will get a lot of uh, good information out of this, get some inspiration out of this. I know that I have. Uh, I (laughs) haven't committed to my fitness as good as I should have the last several years. And um, there's a lot of good things here that you're talking about that I think really can be beneficial to not just blind people, but even sighted people as well. And like you said, just get up and move. Just, Just no matter what you do, I think it comes down to just moving and uh, getting your body moving and getting yourself happy and healthy. And, and, uh, it's a good place to start. So if anybody wants to get more information about you, Maria, uh, of course, then go to girl gone blind, but, uh, tell us a little bit about your blog and, uh, what you do and how people can get a hold of you. Well, I have the blog, as you said, it's called girlgoneblind.com. It's a blog I started um, just a couple months after um, I was uh, deemed legally blind. And uh, it was just kind of a way to um, uh, start writing about this unexpected life um, and not clog up the social media feeds. And, um, you know, uh, so I write about, you know, whatever's on my mind. Um, uh, They can be, in the beginning, they were very dark very emotional blogs because, 
that's how it was. Um, all the way up to uh, crazy things that have happened or maybe things I've learned that I want to put out to the community about, um, you know, what I've learned as a blind person. And maybe I can help other people understand what that's like. Because um, honestly, before I went blind, I didn't know anybody blind nobody. And actually I'm the first blind person. A lot of my friends have met. So on my blog, I put out there, you know, Hey, you know, um, maybe this isn't how you should do this with somebody who's blind. And maybe the, you know, maybe this is better to do with somebody that's blind. Cause it's things that I've learned along the way. And, um, so, uh, I love doing that. And, and again, that's at girlgoneblind.com. I'm all over social media at, on Facebook at girl gone blind and on Twitter at girl underscore gone underscore blind and on Instagram, which I'm not as active on because, you know, it's really visual. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> it, you know, but I'm trying to get more on. I used to be on it a lot before vision loss. Um, I'm at Instagram at girl gone blind. Very good. Well, Maria, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and helping me out this week with everything. And I'm sure we will be hearing and seeing a lot more of you on life after blindness going forward. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Tim. Look forward to uh, talking with you another time. To close out the podcast this week, I'd like to share with you another Because of My Blindness story. Now, this is something new that I've been trying the last few episodes where I ask you, the listener, to submit to me something that has happened to you that's been positive or inspirational, something that's really impacted your life because of your blindness, something that might not have ever otherwise happened had you not been blind. And so this week, I got an email from Beth. She sent me this through the Saro Samnet uh, service, and she talks with us about how, because of the determination and uh, teachings of her parents, she's been able to find her own determination, her own uh, persona and her own place in life and has been able to teach herself uh, to be the person and the woman that she has wanted to be despite the fact that she was born blind. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Beth's Because of My Blindness story. Because of my blindness, I have learned a life-changing lesson. I was privileged and happy to live with my parents throughout their lives. They taught me the importance of not having self-pity. They taught me ethics as in character development and hard work to achieve goals. They taught me the joy of living. I almost didn't survive. I was born at 26 weeks and spent my first approximately two and a half months in the hospital at a time when neonatal intensive care units were not available. But I was still hooked up to everything known to man at that time, and I was given many medications and treatments. And I beat the odds. I had a 10% chance of making it, and I made it. My parents described everything to me as I grew. I have a rich imagination. I have my own ideas of what colors are like. It would be cool to see if what I imagine them to be is what I would actually see if I could have sight. My parents 
My parents are both gone now. I'm a senior citizen. And I have needed help with personal and household strategies for dealing with specific life circumstances. And that means everything from mailing packages to checking to see if anything is awry in the house. There are all sorts of things. And I have found that people tend to try to dictate to me what I should and should not do. When I turned 18, my parents had told me, if you need help, we love you, we want to help you. But please ask us, because we're not going to butt into your life. You're, you're, you're no longer a minor. And sadly, I have not had that viewpoint expressed by people on a general basis since my parents' death. So I have spent many hours alone teaching myself how to be assertive. And I did this and continue to do it by mentally rehearsing what I can say in a firm but controlled tone in order to make my wishes in my home known and accepted. This is a product of my blindness and it has been something which has made things a lot better for me and it will continue to do so. I will continue to strive to improve with regard to being assertive. What a true inspiration to help us all with finding our own independence. Thank you, Beth. And thanks to all of you for listening to episode number 15 of the Life After Blindness podcast. As always, you can find the show notes to this episode by going to lifeafterblindness.com slash 15. While you're there, you can find links to find us on Facebook and Twitter. And please send any questions or feedback to me by email. You can send those to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. Please join me again next week as we continue our journey together to find that there truly can be a life after blindness. Take care, everybody.